0: There's a new group emerging from the shadows. Well, not really. They've been around for years, but it's just now that they're really starting to get vocal and we're beginning to notice them. We're talking about the I love Jesus, but not the church crowd. And this movement really is sweeping the nation. People that are talking about, hey, we don't need this institution of a church. We don't need to be all meeting in this building in a conventional way, what we are used to in our culture, our American culture. Because in the Bible, did they have what we see today? Uh, Did they meet in these big buildings? Did they uh, all just have the hierarchy that we see in the average church? All of this is really being taken into consideration and people are leaving the church in droves, especially in the younger generations. But what effect is it gonna have on these people? These people that still profess to love God. These people that still say they want to grow in their faith. Will they continue in their faith? Will they continue to grow? And most importantly, how is this going to affect the Great Commission? I'm Damon Matichera, let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We're glad that you've tuned in once again. Uh, It has been a busy month. We have Christmas right around the corner. We're about halfway through December and about now everyone is thinking, I need to buy more Christmas presents for Uncle George and Aunt Susie and Uncle Bob and all these different people and what am I gonna do and where am I gonna buy it? And so we go on Amazon, you go on walmart.com and you try to find a good Christmas present, and you're wondering, will Uncle George like this pair of socks? You know what, get, let me give you some advice. Do not buy Uncle George a pair of socks. He's not gonna like them. He's gonna smile, he's gonna be appreciative, he, he will, he'll say thank you, he doesn't want a pair of socks. If Uncle George wanted a pair of socks, he would have bought his own socks. Uh, and so get him something that maybe he's not gonna expect. Uh, Don't don't call them and and ask them and say, Uncle George, just tell me, what do you want? I'm getting overwhelmed and I don't know what to get you. This is just a major inconvenience. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) Don't do that. Never a good way to start the holiday by accusing people uh, for existing. (laughs) You know, it should be the most wonderful time of the year. It does end up being one of the most stressful Times of the year because of all of this, all of these expectations that we have with different people and buying those presents, wondering if they're going to enjoy it and will they return the present and and all of that. But, you know, I'm always wondering if we should just each buy ourselves one present and be done with it. Just be done with it. We should each buy ourselves one present and we would all be happy. (laughs) I don't know if it's going to work, but... Maybe you have a different tradition. If you do, let, let us know, and we'll, we'll talk about it together. But we're talking about the church as well. Um, Christmas is going to be right around the corner. We'll probably talk about Christmas next week. But until then, we have this group, like we mentioned, that they love Jesus, but they don't love the church. And I, I almost look at that as an oxymoron. And no, I did not call them morons. It's an oxymoron. It's a contradicting statement um, because is it possible to even say that you love Jesus but you don't love his church? Uh, Yeah, it's just something to think about. But it's definitely a growing movement. And, And I'm not sure if it's because of COVID and, you know, people being out of church for so long and then just not seeing the need for it or, you know, those who were dissatisfied to begin with now have a good reason to just quit altogether. I'm not really sure, but there's definitely a growing movement of people that claim to love Jesus, but they don't love his church. You know, overall, throughout America, we're seeing a cultural change and a shift in the narrative that strongly opposes the Bible. You know, and, and, and these people claim to be Christians. These people that are directly living in opposition to the Word of God, they're claiming to be believers. You know, everyone is a Christian until it gets biblical. And it's true, isn't it? Everyone claims to love God. Everyone claims to to be a believer. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm a person of faith, But but don't bring the Bible up. Don't force the Bible on me. I don't need to know what the Bible says. Okay, but we shouldn't have that attitude. The Bible should be our authority. We live in a day where any and every viewpoint is taken into consideration. Every worldview is tolerated except for one that is based on the Bible as a final authority. It's kind of funny the way that works, isn't it? Many of our established institutions that were once considered foundational are being re-examined, questioned, redefined. We could be talking about the home the family, marriage, even what constitutes life itself, many of our core values are under attack. And sadly, even by Christians in the church, to the point that even now the church is being re-examined. The church, people are wondering, is it even necessary anymore to have an institution of the church, to have an organized body that comes under Uh, One roof in a conventional way uh, with what we are used to in the United States is that going astray from how God wanted his church. And I agree. If we look at church as an activity, like, you know, you've heard people say you cannot go to church because you are the church. And I get that. I understand because church cannot be reduced to an activity or an experience. The church is, or I should say, the church is people. We are the church. And you're going to hear these cliche sayings time and time again. And we don't want to compartmentalize the church and reduce it to, again, just an outing. Because the church is much, much more. But the sad truth is that people are leaving. The church. What I mean, they're leaving the conventional meeting place that we all gather to. They're canceling their membership. They're canceling the whole idea of an institution that they should be a part of. Uh, And it's not just in America, even here in Zambia. One of the things that really shocked me, especially doing work here in the city of Chapada, was how many people just don't care about church. I mean, I would be going out, a lot of people here in Chapada just stay home. They don't go to church at all. Uh, they may think they're Christians, they may say that they're people of faith, but they don't care about going to assemble with other believers. Uh, and, and you've heard it before. People say, well, I don't need to go with other believers to worship God. I mean. If you want to complain about the church, you're going to find something to complain about. Uh, It's true. I mean, here's the thing. What do people say? They say, here's a list. People can say, oh, I get better preaching from a podcast. I can worship on my own. I can study the Bible on my own. I have Christian friends that are my church. I have to work on Sundays. I have family obligations on the weekends. I feel like church is boring. I don't feel like there's any place for my child or teenager. I don't feel like going to church makes a difference in my life. I don't know of any good churches near me. I'm not sure if I believe the same things anymore. I'm offended by the church's position on this or that. I've been hurt by the church members. I don't trust the church leadership. I don't feel like there is a place for me to get involved. We've heard it before. You've probably heard one, many, or all of those different reasons that people give for leaving the church. And it it really is sad. Um, I was on on Facebook the other day, and I saw a video that kind of popped up. I even tried going back to find it again, and I couldn't. Um, But anyhow, there was this group of young people that were around a bridge, under a bridge, And it was dirty, grungy, uh, ultra urban, and they were dancing. A few of them had guitars, and they were worshiping the Lord under a bridge. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then the caption came up, and it said, The church is not a building. And, And it really didn't sit well with me. You know, you have this video that is promoting, hey, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to go to church. You just need to find your nearest bridge. Find your nearest bridge. Go find a bridge. Listen, I'm not advocating for jumping off the bridge. I'm saying go under the bridge and just worship the Lord. In fact, you know, you could even get one of those barrels and light it on fire. It would make for great Instagram photos because can you really worship God without posting it on Instagram? You know, how can we really have that God moment without, without pictures and without the guitars? We don't need a church anymore. We don't need a pastor. We don't need an authority over us telling us what to do and how to live. And this is, I think, what it comes down to. The message from the video that I saw, it was quite clear. Because everyone knows that the church is not a building. That, I don't think that was even the main objective of the video. In our society, everybody calls the building, the, the, you know, the place that you go to worship, we all call it a church. Now, we understand that there is a difference between a church building and the church of God, the assembly, those that are called out and sanctified, those that by grace have called upon him and believed they are the church and they go to a church building (laughs) i feel like why do we even have to talk about this it's such a simple thing uh you know we need to get over the semantics in many ways and and maybe it could be about semantics but in some ways i feel like it's a direct and open attack on god's institution of the church this new woke movement, this group of people that I love Jesus, but I don't love the church, I don't think they're attacking our word usage of the word church and how we, how we are talking about church in the context of, of going to church or being the church. I think that these people are attacking the church itself. You see, because the building represents more than just the building. It represents the structure, the organization of the church. It represents leadership and guidance. It represents so much more. It it represents the community itself. Uh, And I know we can look back at the book of Acts, and we're going to go there in a few minutes, but we can't just look back at the book of Acts and say, well, they did it differently. It must be better. And so how we're doing it right now is anti-biblical. And so we need to stop. Let's just cancel church. We don't, do we need to cancel the roles of pastors and deacons? Uh, should we, do we even need leadership at all? I mean, can't we just go to the nearest bridge and, and sing Kumbaya and light a fire and play the guitar and, and call it church and have a God moment and, and everything will be well? can we just do that? Listen, if we are the church, then should we, should we not all just be free to worship God as we please? I don't know. I don't know. I think we should think about this before we make any decisions. This growing movement, I believe, is an organized rebellion against establishment. I think it, it's people who just don't want to be told what to do. And it's done under the guise of, well, we need to just get back to how things used to be. We need to go back to how things, in the early church, they didn't even have church buildings. They didn't have the hierarchy. They didn't have all of the programs and the different things that we have today. They didn't compartmentalize church. They were the church and they lived their faith and they met in homes and it was organic and it was free and, uh, well, wait a second. Can we not achieve all of that uh, with our conventional uh, arrangement of church, with how the church is established right now? You know, I was talking to a Christian volunteer uh, just recently, really, and uh, we were talking about the church and this very topic, uh, and he was saying how we don't need established churches because the church is about people, and we should be meeting in people's homes, this man was telling me, as they did in the book of Acts and how uh, church today has become so convoluted and distracted with different things, and there's so many other elements that make church ineffective today. We need to go back, meet in our homes. And my response was, was really what I usually tell people when we talk about this topic. How do we reconcile the Jerusalem church? Uh, It was an institution. They had a pastor. They had an active church council. There was organization. It wasn't just a feel-free environment where everyone was just being led how they would want to be led by the Spirit of God. They had direction. The early church did not consist of people coming together just to share life. They were led by God's, God's people. There were leaders. There was the council. There was so much going on. Even in the book of Acts, there uh, was an institution. We see people that took an active role in giving out directives to the church, people with authority that were organizing the body of believers. And so I, need to, I think we need to look at the book of Acts in chapter 15, and I think we can see a little bit of what this I love Jesus, but I don't love the church crowd is not going to admit In Acts chapter 15, I want to read starting from verse 22. The Bible says, Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barnabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. And the apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia, forasmuch as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. So in this passage, Acts chapter 15, verse 22 through 27, we see an organized council acting as leaders. This is the leadership of the Jerusalem church. In verse 22, we see uh, that this organization is giving instruction. Okay, they are helping people, they are guiding people. We see a structured council that is addressing false doctrine. Okay, they're not just doing their own thing, but rather they're being led by qualified and God-appointed individuals. We don't see a loosely organized group. Uh, We don't see the council having a very feel-free attitude. Uh, They didn't say, okay, guys, listen, uh, just be led of the Spirit. Be free. Follow Jesus. And remember, the church is not a building. The council, the church, the leadership, they said, hey, there's a problem. We are addressing it, and we're sending a letter along with men to explain what we have decided what is a biblical precedent to continue with this matter, okay? They had made decisions, and they were going to teach and to guide. Uh, that how You can't get more established and structured than this. Uh, and what's even more interesting is when we go to Acts chapter 16, Verse 4, I want to read that one too. And as they went through the cities, the next chapter, as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. So in the very next chapter, it shows us that part of Paul's ministry included acquainting the Gentiles of Galatia with the directives that were decided in Jerusalem at the council. And so this is structure. This is establishment. They are meeting together. This is everything that the I love Jesus but not the church crowd stands against. Uh, Do we see a dissatisfied response about how authoritative and oppressed the church was to have these people over them, telling them how to live and interpreting the word of God for them? Uh, Were they complaining? Were they demonstrating? No, we don't see that. It's just not there. But what we do see when we have these leaders that are following the Spirit of God, leaders that are working within the divine institution of the church, uh, in this structure, within the council, uh, we had the apostles, we had uh, the, the different elders, and what happens in verse 5 acts chapter 16 verse 5 the bible says and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily they increased in number daily and so what is going on here is they weren't feeling restricted and oppressed and so that just kind of led them to to rebel and leave the church and question everything but rather god's people in a very organized way responded to false teaching that was going around and the church received it and god blessed the church they were established in the faith they were established in the word of god and the church grew and that is the ultimate goal we want god to get the glory through the church we want to be able to move forward and for god to bless it in a way where People are being established in their faith. Uh, We we didn't see an outcry from Galatia because the apostles were too authoritative. The church wasn't complaining because they felt like they had no voice. They they understood that the church has structure. The church is an institution. It has organization. And these were the individuals that God had as their uh, God-ordained leaders, and they submitted themselves to the direction of these apostles and these pastors, okay? Where did we go wrong? Is it that the church has failed today and that the institution itself is a man-made construct? Was it ever God's plan for the church to meet under one roof, to come together in a conventional way that we know in our American culture, to be under under the authority of a pastor? Okay, these are questions that many people are asking today. And and really the dangerous thing is that when the church and when America has decided how to answer this question, then that will really determine the future generation's perspective of the church. It will determine the future even of the Great Commission itself. Because how are we going to move forward with the gospel if we can't even move forward together and agree on what a church is and what a church is not? Were things better in the early church? I mean, everybody always references the early church with how things were better. It was better in the early church. They did it the best way in the early church. They claim that uh, the organized church of today is doing really more harm than good. And so, you know, they just leave. They, they cancel this institution because they feel like it's damaging people, that they're a reproach to Christ, and that they're not really helping people grow in their faith. In fact, 29 30% of this new movement actually believe this, that the church is more of a detriment to society than an asset, that the institution itself is no longer needed, and that we need to, to structure the church with how it used to be. But the early church that we read about in the book of Acts was one that was often persecuted and opposed by society. Uh, we can't look at the early church and say, well, we need to be where they were. Well, they didn't have big church buildings. They didn't meet under one roof many times because of the persecution. They were being scattered, and God used that. And the church grew. Uh, But how were they supposed to build centralized structures and communities uh, and and just to to lay down roots and to grow the church in one place if they were being chased, if they were being imprisoned, if they were being killed and arrested? Uh, When the persecution on the church came, it sent Christians everywhere, and God used that to spread the gospel. Uh, we can look back at the character of those in the early church, and, and we could see these people, they believed what they, what they claimed. They believed. The faith that they professed, they believed. The faith that they held was real to them. If we want to go back and restructure uh, the, the church, the institution itself, to reflect how it was 2,000 years ago, it would be the same as you know, saying that we want to go back to when life was easier when we were children, when we were five years old. You know, oh, uh, my life was so much easier when I was five years old. I didn't have any problems. It didn't seem like there was much conflict. You know, I need to go back to how I was back then. Well, that would, that would seem kind of crazy because it's a different time. And there were, di- there were challenges back then. There are different challenges today. It's no different with the church. We can't look when the church was born in its infancy and say that that is the way that we need to get back to. They were growing and they were developing and building a foundation for the church. And, and we have what we have today because of that foundation. And we can meet in, in places of worship. We can meet in churches uh, in a way in which we're used to only because we have the freedoms that we enjoy today. The church today has different challenges than it had in the book of Acts. In some ways, they're the same. In some ways, they're different. You know, the I love Jesus but not the church crowd in many ways are sending a mixed message. Because as, as Christians, no matter how you look at it, no matter which views that you have on the church, we are to be active in the Great Commission. We are to be active in making disciples. And I'm sure that everyone would would agree with that, but the Great Commission is about making disciples and then having those disciples come together to the formation of a church. Church planting is a result of the discipleship movement. But if we are going to be organizing believers, if we're going to be building structure with pastors and deacons and elders and church members and active people living out their faith and reproducing themselves, then doesn't that undermine the very message of this new movement, this anti-church movement? Uh, It's not all about just living free with your faith. It's about structure. It's about organization. And we see that in the Bible. We see it that that's what the Great Commission even accomplishes. We are replicating the very thing that this movement is against. And that's why we don't see this crowd really doing much with their faith. Uh, there was a report from Barna years ago, I think it was in a few years ago, 2017, 2018, pre-COVID. So the, the statistics are probably even worse today than it was back then. These are very conservative estimates. But I want to read a little article and give you a little bit of information showing uh, really what this group believes and where they're at. So it says right here, when we're talking about this group that allegedly loves Jesus but not the church, they say that spirituality is deeply personal, even private, with many in this movement preferring to keep spiritual matters to themselves. Only 2 in 5, 18% say that they talk with their friends about spiritual matters often. This is less than half as much as practicing Christians, at 41%, and almost four times less than evangelicals, 67%, who are known for evangelizing and sharing their faith. When asked about evangelizing, whether they personally have a responsibility to tell others about their religious beliefs, the differences are even more striking. Fewer than 3 in 10 of the I love Jesus but not the church group agrees strongly that they have a responsibility to evangelize. So 28% believe that they have a responsibility to evangelize. Compared to more than half of practicing Christians, 56%, and all of evangelicals, 100%. So while spiritual topics may often or sometimes come up, the actual act of trying to convert someone is a low priority for this group. So we see here that 78% of the I love Jesus but not the church, 78% of them, according to this study, they feel that they should not be making disciples. They feel like they should not be sharing their faith, that it's personal, that it's private. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I can believe whatever I want to believe, and you know, we'll get to where we all want to go. Okay, but but listen, it gets even more interesting. When we look at what the same group does that they consider spiritual, okay, this is what they found. 26% of this group, this woke Jesus crowd, 26% read their Bible. Uh, 82% of evangelicals believe that reading their Bible is a must. But 26% of them are only active in reading their Bible. Okay, this is a big deal because 74% of, I love Jesus, but not the church, only 74% are just, they don't care to read their Bible. So they're not going to church, they're not reading their Bible, but they love Jesus. I'm not really sure how that works together. They're not sharing their faith. They're not telling others about salvation. They're not reading their Bible. What are they doing? Okay, 46% of, the, of this anti-church crowd, they think that all religion is the same. Whereas when we look at the evangelicals, only 1% of evangelicals believe that you know, we're, all, we're all the same. You know, I, I met a woman uh, a month or two ago and I was inviting her to church and she was telling me how, oh, it doesn't matter. Every church is the same. If I go to your church, if I go to this church, if I go to that church, they're all the same when really someone only says that that doesn't really know what they believe because not every church is the same and every church believes something different we we have different doctrines we have different uh, articles of our faith uh, there is truth and there are lies the Bible even says to to don't believe every every prophet but To try the spirits to see whether they are of God because many false prophets are coming to the world. And so is it possible to love Jesus but not the church? You know, this movement says that they lost their faith in the church but that they still love God. But let me just propose this idea. Maybe Maybe they, it's not about loving God or not loving the church. Maybe they just don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to submit themselves in a spiritual way to anybody. Because when we look at other uh, information, it says that 9% of, of all of this movement of, uh, in this crowd, of the I love Jesus but I don't love the church, 9% will read books on spiritual topics. Only 9%. Uh, that means that 91 percent of this group just refuses any kind of outside instruction zero percent of this group will go to a a group or a retreat to learn spiritual matters again that they don't want to go where there's information where they're being informed where they're being taught where they're being led this group will not be taught they are not teachable they believe that that there is nothing that they need to learn there is nothing that they need to share. They don't need to go to church. They don't need to be bothered. That their faith is personal. It's so personal. It's so private that, uh, that it just needs to stay within them. You know, people want the benefit and the perks of a church, but not the accountability and not the oversight, you know, this growing movement finds more spiritual significance, according to the same study, in nature and yoga than they do in reading their Bible. That they felt more spiritual connection doing yoga and going out in the woods than they did reading their Bible or going to church. Let me tell you something when we abandon the Bible, uh, when people in general abandon the Bible, they're going to replace it with something else. And a growing number have turned to secular and human reasoning, worldly philosophy, as as an authority in their life. Listen, our worldview should reflect our faith and our beliefs as a Christian. If I'm a believer, then my worldview should reflect where I stand. My view of the Bible should should be in, in that equation. Uh, when I read the Bible, it should be molding my worldview. When I go to church and I hear the Word of God being preached, that should be molding my worldview. My very desire should be to conform more to the image of Christ. And all of that is shaping who I am who I am politically, who I am socially, who I am as I interact in society. But if we're going to abandon the Bible, then you're gonna end up questioning everything that the Bible stands for, including divine institutions like the church. Now, are there cases where there are are power-hungry leaders in the church that have abused their power and maybe overstepped their bounds? Uh, Sure, there are probably cases like that, but the exception never proves the rule. Every institution is made of people, and people make mistakes. Uh, We have to to understand this. There is no one who is perfect. What does the Bible say? There's none righteous, no, not one. Um, Even leaders make mistakes, and we should make room for that, that that people are always going to be people. But does that mean that church should be canceled, that the position of a pastor should be canceled? No. Should we abandon government? Uh, Should we abandon the police? I know people want to, right? Uh, Should we abandon your dentist? I mean, they make mistakes too. Now, (laughs) granted, if your dentist made a mistake, you probably would find a different one. (laughs) But maybe you're going to a wrong church. Well, if you're going to a wrong church, then find one that loves God. Find one that loves people, that's active in the community, that's making disciples. Find a church that, that meets, the, really, the, the requirements from God in the Word of God. Uh, find a church that is doing something, uh, but don't just cancel church. Get involved and do something for the Lord. But to look and to say that, you know, the church needs to be canceled, that we shouldn't be going to church anymore, it's failed us, they've made mistakes, uh, well, I think that would be a mistake itself. I think we need to understand that this movement, they have their own issues. And if we ever get to the place in our life where we feel like we, we don't need to learn anymore, that we don't need other people to invest in our life, that we can just uh, move forward on our own and we can learn on our own because God will teach me, God will speak to me. Well, then how are, who, who's gonna hold us accountable? And, and some people would say, well, that's between me and God. But at the same time, that's one of the reasons why we have pastors, why we have church leaders, is to help us. Because we have blind spots. We have uh, things in our own life. And, and we're the last ones to want to acknowledge our own faults and our own uh, deficiencies. And so church has value. And I believe that the institution of the church is just as valid today as it was 2,000 years ago when it was formed. I think the church in the Book of Acts, it had much more structure and organization than people would like to admit. And we can't look at the church today and say that every church is flawed, every church is is so authoritative and is just full of power-hungry leaders. I don't think that's true. I think that, yes, there may be a church, that is like that. And, and don't go to that church, go to one that is fulfilling its directive from the Lord. Um, I've been blessed where I've always gone to great churches. Uh, I love my church, uh, Old Paths Bible Baptist Church in Rochester, New York. I have great relationships with other churches in the area, a lot of friends in different ministries, um, and I think that it's important to, for you to feel like you're a part of your church and that you have a place and that you can serve God in your church. Because if we're not going to be faithful to the church and, and to God's church, if we don't have a place there, then what kind of community are we going to build? How are we going to be edifying each other and how are we going to be edified? So get involved. Do something for the Lord, but understand that, yes, uh, church is for us and I believe that church is important and I think the Great Commission is fulfilled through the church through people like you people like me Uh, but there needs to be organization you cannot have a church and just have everyone you know just kind of free-floating and just kind of doing their thing there needs to be organization and structure and uh, there needs to be leadership to guide and to govern Uh, we need to have Uh, men and like as the Bible states that will pastor and with deacons that will help and leaders and other people that are involved in the church and it all comes together and God's work is done and that's the beautiful thing about the church and the body of Christ We all have a way that we can contribute you have a way that you can contribute but we have to do something And instead of complaining about maybe this little aspect in the church or that aspect, do something. Be the change. If there is an issue uh, in your church, be the change. If there's no uh, evangelization being done, then go out and evangelize. If there's no discipleship, well then go out and disciple. Uh, but, But remember that God's institution of the church, it's divine and it's His will. And we need to support the church. There are so many ways in which we are being attacked by society, our faith, who we are, our stand on the word of God. The last thing that we need right now is to be attacking each other uh, because of, number one, semantics and because of maybe we're disgruntled and we didn't like what the pastor said. So maybe we just need to follow God, uh, submit to our authorities, and just do our best. Do our best as we fulfill the Great Commission at home and around the world. So, as we move forward, we're going to be looking at so many other aspects of the Great Commission. Um, As always, we want to hear from you. Uh, If you want to comment on social media, if you want to write us directly with questions or observations, um, if there's something that you would love us to talk about, uh, just write us. You can go on our website at hopezambia.com. Um, As well, we're asking for you to prayerfully consider partnering with us financially as we continue this work. Uh, My family and I, we are missionaries in the country of Zambia, Africa. Uh, I've been doing this for about 22 years here in this country, and God has a great work here. I'm glad that I'm able to be part of it, that my family is with me. Uh, But everything that we do is funded by individuals and churches and organizations. You are a big part of what we do here in Zambia. Uh, A growing work has growing needs. Uh, And so we can't do it without sponsorship and partnership. So if the Lord would lead you, again, you can go on our website and you can find different ways in which you can give or just contact me directly. Maybe you're even thinking about joining Team Hope and you would love to to be a missionary. Um, You know, we would love for you to, to contact us and we can start that discussion and see where you're at and what would need to be done to join us on the ground here in Sub-Saharan Africa. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I love the Great Commission. I love all things about the church. I think that, yeah, uh, occasionally the church makes mistakes, people make mistakes, but the main point is that we are trying to serve the Lord. We are trying to move forward. We're trying to help people to find truth and to get saved, to know God and to build a relationship with him. That is what we need to be focused on. That is the main objective. And so that's what we need to do. And this week, go out and do it. Again, I'm Damon Matichara. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you later. God bless.